Welcome to Calvary Albuquerque. We pursue the God who is passionately pursuing a lost world. We do this with one another. Through worship, by the word, to the world. You know, when you think of holiness, as we look at our world today, do we really see holiness in the life of the church? I travel to a lot of churches, you know, I visit a lot of places, and I get to speak in different congregations. It's always been a blessing coming here and watching Skip and what God has done in his life, and the way the church has grown here over the last, I think, 20-some years, almost 30 years. And when I was studying this week, I was thinking, okay, Lord, how can I speak to your people? How can I speak to myself? Because when you come to the scriptures, you go back into the Old Testament. The Old Testament was law, the schoolmaster, that pointed to Jesus Christ to bring us to His love, His grace, His mercy, and to be justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So I think that this topic is not only important for today, but at the same time, think of how many people are ungodly in the world today. Someone asked me a couple of months ago, a non-believer. And I asked him, well, how come he hasn't come to church? Why are you saved? Why are you, how come you haven't given your heart to the Lord? And he responded by saying this. He says, when the church changes, maybe I will change my life. Now that's a pretty heavy statement from a non-believer. And when you look at the church, even this morning, you begin to see that not only we are here this morning, we came with all of our problems, all of our situations, In all of our sins, that maybe we find ourselves this morning, and we come here because the Holy Spirit has brought it here, not only to convict each one of us individually, but to bring us to that place of holiness, separation, hagios, being separated to my Lord and my Master, so that not only He can use my life, but I can glorify His name, And prepare myself for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read from 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 15 through 16. Peter says, But as for me, but as for he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct or manner of life, because it is written, Be you holy, for I am holy. So here Peter is reaching back to the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 11 verse 44, it says, For I am the Lord your God, you shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. I think we understand that we are empowered to live the life of Christ by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And I think that this is something that not only is in the church, but in many churches it is missing. The Holy Spirit. That's why every single week churches are closing in America. Look at all the people that are coming from all over the world to America. America is the land of the free. The land of the free. And as I look at the land of the free, I can remember back about 25 years ago going to England, to Europe. And watching in England how those big churches that at one time preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. That at that time, 25 people attended church. 
And today when you go to England, you have Islam. You have so many doctrines, so many religions of the world there in England. And maybe only one percent or half percent of England believes in God. What goes around comes around. Look at our nation today. What is happening to our nation? We see so much liberalism. We see so many churches not only not believing in Jesus Christ, believing in entertainment instead of teaching the Word of God. So things are changing. But the gospel never changes. The Word of God is always there to convict people, to feed the body of Christ, so that we can develop and grow and become what Christ intended us to be. As I look at some of the young people's churches today, it's fun, it's awesome what God is doing. But one of the things that I see is the lack of the teaching of the Word of God. The teaching of the Word of God. You know, emotionalism comes and goes. But as we learn and we study the Word of God, the Word of God develops and matures us in Christ Jesus. So that God can use our gifts and talents to bring glory and honor to His holy, holy, holy name. Holiness was God's ideal in the Old Testament. God's ideal in the Old Testament. And as believers today, not only does God want us to have holy lives, but we need to keep our eyes not on people, but to keep our eyes on Him. People will disappoint you. People will not only stumble you, but a lot of times people will walk away from Christ because they don't see holiness, they don't see obedience, they don't see what the Bible teaches. In Hebrews chapter 12, 14, Paul said, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will ever see the Lord. No one will ever see the Lord. To me, this seems to be not only the heart of God, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But then Peter himself explains the reasons for this, for this holiness in a person's life. In 1 Peter 2.9 he says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We used to be in darkness. I used to be in darkness. But the light of Jesus Christ began to shine upon my life. It brought me out of darkness and it brought me to the, mar- the marvelous light of Jesus Christ, which not only made me grow in Christ Jesus, but He put a calling in my life calling in my life, just like you, God wants to put a calling in your life. And He wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In 1 Peter chapter 2.11, Peter said, Beloved, I beg you as a sojourner and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that they may speak against you as evildoers. They may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. In the day of visitation. I think one of the things we have to be careful with is that we practice what we preach. 
that we practice what we preach to other people. Because if we don't practice what we preach, they're going to think that there were a bunch of hypocrites like the scribes, like the Pharisees, and like the Sadducees. They, didn't, they did not like Jesus. And the reason they didn't have respect for Jesus and they didn't like Jesus is because Jesus always spoke the truth. And the truth brought conviction to these people. But it didn't bring a change of heart. James chapter 1, 22 to 25 says, But be you doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, and he observes himself, he goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed and and what he does, and he will love Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Where are you today spiritually? Do you really love Jesus? Has Jesus become the Lord and Savior of your life? When he becomes Lord of my life, it's because I have submitted, submitted my life to him. And when you submit yourself to Jesus Christ, means that I have died to myself. I have reckoned the old man to be dead. I have come to that place where the world doesn't attract me anymore. And if it attracts my life, then I can put it to death. Why? Because I come to the cross of Jesus Christ, and He shows me how filthy and how bad the world is today. Look at the world in your own life today. Dr. Billy Graham says this, he quotes Felon, born in August 6, 1651, born in France, he says, an atheist once spent, and he was an atheist, an atheist once spent a few days with Felon and said, if I say with this man of God much longer, I shall become a Christian in spite of myself. Dr. Dr. Billy Graham says, the quiet convincing argument of a holy life, in the consistent walk of a saint, Felon had accomplished more in the life of an atheist than all of the theological arguments and discussions he had overheard. I wonder, people in the world today, when you speak to them, when I speak to them, do we make sense in what we believe? Can they see the power of the Holy Spirit in my life and in your life? Because Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, He's not speaking to the Pharisees, He's not speaking to the scribes or Sadducees. He's not speaking to the world, He's speaking to the church. Listen to what He says in Matthew 5, 14-16. You are a light, He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And glorify your Father in heaven. Let me ask you this. Do your children see the light in your life? Do your friends to your enemies. Let me give you three points I thought would be important this morning. Point number one, 
looking at the scriptures and not only seeing, but watching what the scripture says about holiness. Number one, it is God's call for every one of us to be holy. If you're a Christian. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, he says, For God did not call us to be uncleanness, but in holiness our call was given to us. Not in uncleanness. Not to live in the world, because we're not of the world. But we are in Christ Jesus. Secondly, it is God's will for us to be holy. Ephesians 4.24 says, And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Holiness. Thirdly, it is God's choosing us to be holy. I didn't choose Him, He chose me. He accepted me. I did not accept Him until He came into my life when I repented and asked Him to come into my life. He says in Ephesians 4.1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. We are called to walk with Jesus Christ, walking in the light, getting out of the darkness and walking in holiness. Fourthly, It is God's reminder for us to become His holy temple. This is not God's temple. This is the place we meet to keep the sun, the snow out of here, the wind. But when we come here, we need to understand that every single one of us here this morning are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul speaking to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 17 said, Don't you know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. The word temple here in the Greek is leading us back to the Old Testament, the holiest of holies. Where the priest would enter once a year with a rope tied to his right ankle. And on his garment, at the bottom of the garment, he would have these little pomegranate bells. And when he would go into the holiest of holies, there would be the two cherubims facing each other. And in the middle would be the Ark of the Covenant. And as the priest and those little bells would ring, everybody outside knew that it was okay. But once those bells stopped ringing, it meant that God had killed the high priest. Nobody could enter in, so they would use the rope to drag him out of the holiest of holies. You and I are the holiest of holies. What are you putting into your heart? When the Holy Spirit is grieved, we bring pain to it. What happens? He can't do the work that He wants to do in our lives. That's why we have to be separated to God. Because fifthly, it is God's desire for us to be holy with all reverence to God. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as He who called you is holy... You also be holy in all manner of life. In all manner of life, not part of life. All manner of life. And then he says six, it is God's mercies. 
for us present our bodies to Him in holiness. It says in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2, Paul says, I beseech you or I beg you therefore brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The will of God in my life. Seventh, it is God's granting that we serve Him in holiness. Luke, says, Luke chapter 1 verse 74-75 says, To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before Him in all the days of our lives. All the days of our lives. Jesus is coming soon. The church needs to get right with God. If we want to see our families, if we want to see our communities, if we want to see our nation to be saved, then the church needs to repent. The church needs to repent and return to God. Return to God. When you get up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? You brush your teeth, you take a shower, you get dressed, you get your coffee, you eat your breakfast, get in your car, and you're off to work or wherever you're going that morning. But I'm going to ask you a question. When you got up that morning, did you thank God that you were able to breathe through the night? Did He give you one more day to breathe? But how about this? When you Before when you get up in the morning, if you take a shower... You get dressed, you get your coffee, but before you go out of that house, do you spend time with God? Do you put on the armor of God? Because if you're not in the Word of God and you're not putting on the armor of God, when you go out for the whole day, you're going to get beat up by Satan. You're going to be defeated by Satan. But when I have the armor of God, I can stand, I can fight against the wiles of the devil himself. Because Christ is with me. As an armor, notice as a soldier for Jesus Christ. He never talks about the back part of the armor. Because a Christian should never go backwards or should never turn around and go the other way. We should always be moving forward. And if you trip and you fall, you get up, you, you actually dust yourself up. And you go forward with the shield and the sword and the helmet, the breastplate and all the way down the armor of God. Second point. Example of those who live holy lives in the past. How about Enoch? Enoch. The one that walked with God and he was not because God took him. A man that had faith in God. A man that was blameless before God. And he's the one and another person, two of them that never died. It was Elijah and Enoch never died physically. They were taken by the Lord. It says in Genesis 5.24, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Walking, fellowshipping with God. How about Noah? Noah, the one that God came to him, and said, I'm going to give 120 years for men to repent, and if they don't repent, I'm going to bring my judgment. And when Noah preached, and began to build that great ark, 
You would think that as people would see this ark without an ocean, without any rivers, without any lakes, as he began to build this ark, that people would say, Noah, what are you doing? And Noah would say, the judgment of God is coming. But when you look at 120 years at the end, only Noah, his wife, his three sons, and three daughter-in-laws were saved. Eight people. Eight is the number of new beginnings. Seven days in the week, on the eighth day begins a new week. Seven thousand years, according to the word of God. And on the eight thousand year, on the eight thousand year begins the new heavens and the new earth. So important we understand the word of God. In Genesis 6, 8 it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, a complete man in his generation. And Noah walked with his God. Walked with his God. We're living in the days of Noah today. How about Abraham? Abraham, the man that God chose. He walked with God also by faith. In Genesis 12, 1 and 3 it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you a great name. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed by you. Abraham. Walk with God. Are you walking with God this morning in holiness? How about Jacob, hill catcher, conniver, schemer? A man who wrestles with God. His brother Esau's coming, separates his family. He goes across the river and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord comes. Genesis 32, 23 to 28. He says, and then, then again Jacob took them. He sent them over to the brook. That's his family. He sent them over that he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and the men wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Probably Jesus. And now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, Jacob, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? Not that he didn't know, he knew his name. He said, Jacob, Jacob, hill catcher, conniver, schemer. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Governed by God. Governed by God. For you have struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. Did you know that when you, look, when you look up in the Bible in a Strong's Concordance or a dictionary, that the word Jacob is used more in the Old Testament than the, than the word Israel? More Jacob than Israel. In the same way with us, probably our lives are more like Jacob than Israel. As we look at the church today. But how about Joseph? Another young man. That not only loved God, but his brothers sold him to Egypt, and they departed from him. But God had a will, God had His perfect will for Joseph and for his father and his brothers, because a famine was coming, and God was going to do a tremendous work in their lives. 
In Genesis 39.9 he says, And there is no greater in the house than I, nor he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife, Potiphar's wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Holiness. Joseph said to, to Potiphar's wife, How can I lay with you every day you tempt me, but how can I sin against God? That's a good thing to know. A good thing to say when you're being tempted. Sin is against God. Sin is against God. We need to be holy even as He is holy. How about Moses? The men who saw God. Exodus 3.11 But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. When he met Pharaoh first, what did he do? The Lord, excuse me, when he met God, what did he do? God said, hey, where you're standing is holy ground. Take off your dirty feet, your dirty shoes. And when he approached God in the holiest of holies, then God called him, forgave him. And Moses was used as one of the greatest men to go to Egypt and take the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was born in Egypt, the type of the world. He came to the wilderness, or he went across the Red Sea, which is a type of the baptism of the believer. He came to the wilderness where they actually were there for 40 years, 38 years. And only those 20 years and under were the only ones to go across to the promised land with Joshua. When they came across the Jordan River, reckoning that all men to be dead. In coming to the promised land, not heaven... Because in heaven, you don't have giants, you don't have temptation, you don't have trials. And the children of Israel learn tremendous things. But if you read Judges chapter 2 verse 10, it says, When that generation died, notice that generation that walked with God. This says there arose another generation that did not serve God, but they worship all other gods. We're living in such a time today. We need to come into the presence of God, repent, and walk by faith in holiness. How about Joshua, the men who conquered? Joshua 1, 2, and 3. Moses said, my servant is dead now. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan. You and all this people to the land which I am giving to them. Then the children of Israel, every place at the sole of their foot. He says, every sole of your foot they will be treaded down upon is given to you as also was given to Moses. And then third point, the reason for God's holiness. What is the purpose and reason for God's holiness? Number one, it is God's desire that we should bring forth unto holiness. Romans 6.22 But now having been set free from sin... And having become slaves of God, you have your fruit of holiness. Or you have your fruit to holiness and to the end, everlasting life. Everlasting life. Secondly, it is God's desire that we would be lifting up holy hands unto the Lord. A sign of surrender. And when you think of the word surrender, surrendering to the Lord. When you think of the word worship to the Lord. It is not raising my hands unto the Lord. It is getting down on my knees and putting my face to the ground with my nose to the ground and waiting upon God to speak to me so that I can speak to Him. Holiness. Worship. 
In 1 Timothy 2.8, he says, Paul, I desire therefore that men would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, he says, without wrath and without doubting, without doubting. Thirdly, it is God's desire that we would be a holy priesthood. Say 1 Peter 2.5 You also as living stones are being built up, spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Fourthly, it is God's desire that we would have a holy conversation, the way we speak. He says in Second Peter 3.11 Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons are you to be in all holy conduct and godliness? Notice what he says. How about lastly, fifthly? He says, it is God's desire that we would be blameless and holy. Are you blameless today? Holy? Ephesians 1, 4 says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. I would pray this morning that each one of us individually would search our hearts. And that we would search our hearts in such a way that when we came here this morning, we would not leave this morning the same person. But different. Father, I pray in your name, Lord, for this church, for the body of Christ, for this people that are sitting here this morning. What binds us together is devotion to worshiping our Heavenly Father, dedication to studying His Word, and determination to proclaim our eternal hope in Jesus Christ. For more teachings from Calvary Albuquerque and Skip Heitzig, visit calvaryabq.org.